1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With that, we welcome you into episode number 89 of Unfiltered. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern, get on Twitter, jump in the bio, get on the YouTube channel, and follow all the interviews and episodes and videos, uh, including... Uh, me melting down last night after a Mets win, but we're going to stay on the other side of New York uh, for now as I welcome in uh, my guest today and talk about hopefully a place both the Mets and Yankees want to go, and that's to the World Series, perhaps against each other, and talk about uh, my my buddy uh, Tyler Kepner from the New York Times and the author of uh, his book coming out October 11th, The Grandest Stage. You can get over at Tyler Kepner, get all the info on how to pre-order from Doubleday Books. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, Casey. Good to talk to you, man. How you been? I've been good. I, I've been good. So, so let me obviously start with, with Judge. How do you try covering the game as long as you have put into context the kind of year that he's put together? Not just the home runs, but in, in total.
2: Well, I think our, uh, our friend Aaron Boone always, always mentions the, uh, the context of how much better Judge is than <laughs> every other hitter this year. Um, how many more home runs? I mean, it's not like he has anybody... Close to him, um, chasing him in, in, in this, um, there is nobody within 20 home runs of him. Maybe, maybe uh, Schwarber might have, might be within 19, but it's really, really far and away um, better than anybody else. So that part of it is interesting, um, and also just you know the, the the fact that you know we have to apply context to everything, right? I mean, the PED era was what it was. They weren't, they weren't check-in and, and guys were getting their edge but um in all these years since uh we've had testing we've had testing for 20 years now and, and nobody has has uh has done this and roger maris did it in the first season of 162 game schedule and nobody did it again until uh until 98 so it is a really really significant number and the fact that it's still a yankee know, that only three Yankees, the only three AL players that do this are Yankees, with 60 home runs. That's kind of cool. That's uh, that's not a New York bias thing. That's just a fact. And it's uh, and it's neat that it's happening uh, right in front of us.
1: You know, to me, the most impressive part of this has been the fact that he has hit the way he has. You know, look, if he's hitting 240 and his OBP is 320, I still don't care. It's 61 homers. Right. So it's amazing but Mm -hmm. the fact that he's battling for a triple crown, the fact that he's not Tyler in a typical Yankee lineup where, you know, especially when Rizzo was down and Stanton coming back from an injury where, you know, he's got six, seven other guys and three of them are future hall of famers. Like some of these Yankees teams have been, what does it say about Judge as the complete player, the fact that he's been the kind of hitter that he's been in addition to obviously the home runs at the forefront of that.
2: Right. That's a great point because, you know, there are plenty of, of power hitters, and there have been down through the years who did not hit for a high average. That, that continues today, um, but you know, no offense to some of them. I mean, like we didn't see uh, Dave Kingman or Adam Dunn um, approach this kind of record, despite all their their power. It's a guy who is, you're right, like in position to win the Triple Crown, and and that means a batting title, and that means the kind of disciplined at bats that we've seen since he got to 60. Sure, it took a week, you know, a, a week and a day. Um, but he he was very disciplined um, in those at bats. He got a lot of deep counts. So he had some pitches to hit. Um, it wasn't like they were totally pitching around him, but he wasn't going to chase uh, on on a full count. I mean, he, he even sitting on 60, he was going to do the right thing for the team and get on base and, and not go outside of his zone. So he does strike out a lot, We know that. Um, but he's those at bats that he took, between sixty and sixty-one, I think show you where his priorities are, and show you what a mature, um, skilled hitter, uh, batting eye he uh, he has, and what he's become.
1: You know, when you look at at what he's done, you know, part of this. That is unfortunate, but is the context that, that we all live in, especially when, you know, Roger Maris Jr. is coming out yesterday and saying, hey, look, I think it's the home run record. And look, and that's, you know, obviously a tribute to his father and his accomplishments and also a knock on some of those other things that we know that Barry Bonds and others were involved in. What, what's your take on people who say, hey, look, this is the real home run record?
2: Well, for, certainly. First off, I think Roger Maris Jr. of all people in the world is entitled to that opinion.
1: Oh, of course. <laughs>
2: more sure. than more than anybody else walking the planet, Roger Maris Jr. can can feel that way. Um, but I mean, look, it, it's it's just a slippery slope, man. I mean, what are we what are we supposed to do if we say that that Bonds's record is invalid and the McGuire and Sosa is invalid? Then do we say all the World Series? titles in that time are invalid because some guys were on steroids but they were also on steroids in the other team but what about home runs he hit off steroid pitchers it, it's just we can't invalidate what we saw it's not like the olympics where it's a one-on-one competition sometimes and they'll take stuff away and i don't even really like that anyway like i, I, I hey if you want to say they got away with it fine but there was no testing in that era and there was no penalties to face so were they cheating yes because they wouldn't have told you what they were doing but it was understandable—the <laughs> old Chris Rock line. So baseball—the way I look at it—is baseball didn't care enough. The union didn't care enough to police itself then. So the game is what it was, and we just have to apply context, right? We have to apply context to Babe Ruth that he played in a segregated league. We have to apply context to the Roger Maris era when when everyone, you know, was when greenies were readily available, no one was testing for for that stuff. Um, we just have to pick you know we have to go context uh Hank Aaron played in a in a home the you know a homer the launching pad in Atlanta so it's just Ted Williams spent five years in the military when he could have maybe had 700 homers so it's all just context and we don't need to be afraid of context we just need to understand what it was and Barry Bonds has the record
1: yeah I'm with you on that and I think that look it's you know, Barry Bonds is, and I don't know where you're sitting on this, he, he's the greatest player of my lifetime. I'm in my forties. I mean, he's, he's, you know, I, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, you know, we all know kind of what happened, but we can't eliminate, The idea of Barry Bonds because of it, as much as people might want to. I want to ask you one more on Judge and and then talk about the book. And as we hit into the postseason, perfect timing of it, obviously. I'm sure not it, not a uh, accident that it's coming out in October. It's kind of the month for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I want to ask you just just this on Judge, being around this team for, for so many years and around New York and getting the pulse of it. I know things have changed with 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 George gone, right? The Steinbrenner name is still there, but that we're not putting out ad- articles in the paper saying the team sucks. And we apologizing to the fans. We don't, we don't feel that need to go spend on everybody. Brian Cashman has been able to, you know, buffer and, and be able to make decisions where we've seen guys leave. That all being said, is this as must of a must sign as you've seen during really any Yankee time period because of of thinking about kind of where judge sits right now, Tyler, regardless of George being here or not, isn't this a whatever top dollar he gets offered, I got to give more than that and got to keep him. kind of a thing now for the Yankees at this point.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's, there's no, there's been nothing like this that I can remember um, as far as the Yankees in terms of who has the leverage, right? Like, I mean, he is, they don't, any way you want to look at it, Aaron Judge has all the leverage. I mean, the only thing he, he doesn't have, I guess, is age because he's already 30. Um, but beyond that, I mean, what more did he have to do? Like, they made him a very nice offer. They offered him a fortune. But um, Aaron Judge said, you know what? I think I'm better than that. And I want to see what my value is. And players have earned that right that as a hard-earned right um, that major league players have. And he went out and proved it. Beyond what anybody could have imagined. He's going to win. He will, you know, he may win the triple crown, even if he doesn't, he's he's so close. 61 homers plus, uh, as you say, an all-around player playing center field for a lot of this year. Um, he basically can name his price. Everybody knows how much the Yankees are are worth as an organization. And they have always founded their business model on stars. That's why you know it was okay to let Robbie Cano go. Um, First of all, it made business sense, but also just like he wasn't real as great as player as he was. He wasn't really the drawing card. Aaron Judge is a drawing card. The Yankees business model, what they charge, where they are in New York City with the Mets across town. They depend on um, star attractions. And Aaron Judge is that more than anybody else, except maybe Otani. They got to get bring him back and he can basically name his price.
1: Yeah. I, at this point, I, I could I can really not see any way. And I'm sure he would like to be there and want to be there. But he has become such a heroic figure in New York, regardless of what really happens in the postseason seems like a must. We talk about heroic figures. One of the great things about October is and it is a real thing. We would say the heroes of October Or how many names have not been big names that become bigger names and how many moments you don't expect become now the expected because of all the craziness. Putting together this book, The Grandest Stage, and again, get at Tyler Kepner for all the information on how to pre-order the book, which will be out October 11th. What made you, first of all, choose this as a topic? Because it's a daunting topic. The World Series is such a wide open, vast array of things to discuss. When you thought about what you wanted to do for this book, why this topic, first of all? Well, I
2: for the. You know, my first book was all about the history of pitching, and um, that was probably even more broad. Um, I could narrow this down at least to um, a specific event every year, except for two, since 1903. Right. So, <laughs> so you know, that was, it could be a little narrower, um, but, uh, you know, when you're comparing it to the history of pitching. So that part of it wasn't, wasn't daunting. I really just want to do something that I really, really love and I'm sort of naturally um, uh, interested in. And I've always been just super locked in ever since I was eight years old, and I went to the '83 World Series with my mom and my dad. And the Phillies lost the games I went to, but it was still an extremely um, memorable, happy childhood experience that I reflect on all the time. Um, And you know that was back when they played at games in the afternoon, and it was just it was my my guys and and all that. So it's always stuck with me. Um and now, you know, these the opportunity we have to talk to these people, um, you know, you see them in the course of the day. Um, you might be like, oh hey, the Yankees are playing the Astros. There's uh Jeff Blum in the Astros broadcast booth. He he had one at bat in the World Series and he had a game winning home run um against the Astros, you know, <laughs> like for the White Sox. And now he's got a statue outside uh, the White Sox stadium. So talk to him about that moment and the story. Um so it was more than just, you know, a, Really, it wasn't so much trying to track down uh, Bill Mazeroski and Joe Carter for the 10,000th interview they've done on this. It was, it was trying to look, in many cases, at the other sides of the story. You know, we all know Kirk Gibson hit the home run. Well, there were bases empty in two outs, and Dennis Eckersley, the greatest control pitcher of his era, walks Mike Davis, who hit 196 that year. If he doesn't walk Mike Davis, Kirk Gibson never gets the plate. So I talked to Mike Davis and Eck about that at bat, which set up the, the uh the Gibson at bat, that sort of thing. So I love that um, by the way. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So you know, I I feel like it's a lot that's a chapter where it's like, here's what you know, and here's what you might not know. You know, like he you know Bill Mazeroski hit a home run to win the World Series. You might not know that a backup catcher named Hal Smith hit a home run that statistically was much, much more important because it, it took the Yankee it took the pirates from losing to winning in the bottom of the eighth. They blew the lead in the top of the ninth, but you know, they don't even get there without this guy, Hal Smith, who I was lucky enough to talk to like two months before he died. So um, that was that was something special, too, was able to get guys get, talk to Eddie Robinson, who who uh, was 99 years old when I talked to him. And he, he has since died. But, you know, he played for the 48 Indians. Um, their last championship team. He played for the 55 Yankees and saw Sandy Amaros go into the corner and and uh, and and save Game Seven with, for Johnny Padres. Um, you know, so to be able to get some of those recollections, talking to Roger Angel about being in the stands in 1941 when Mickey Owen let the ball um, get past him to to you know extend that game and 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 lead the Yankees to a win. So that was really great, uh, gratifying. And of course, people who are still here are like Carl Erskine and and Bobby Richardson uh, and they contribute as well
1: how much does it surprise you when you put together a book like this and have conversations in general with guys who are thinking about those at bats that many years prior at just how well they seem to recount and remember it like it was. Baseball players are weird that way anyway. (laughs) I mean, it is strange for all of us who have talked to them. People don't realize. I mean, they remember things. I, I can't like nine years. Yeah. Birthdays or like our kids being born and things like that. But, what was it like watching them kind of relive and listening to them relive it as if it was so much sooner to now tyler than 40 50 years ago
2: yeah that that that's that's a, a real treat um, to be able to do that you know to talk to raleigh fingers about about what it was like 50 years ago to, you know, to strike out Johnny Bench on a fake intentional walk in the <laughs> World Series, you know, what he was thinking when they went out to the mound and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and they do, they have, they have tremendous uh, recall. Um, you, you Especially events like this, you find sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll talk about regular season stuff and, and and you'll go back and the details won't quite match up, but um, you know, for something as, as indelible as the World Series, the details uh, are usually, you know, still at the forefront, and um, and they never really leave. So, you know that because a lot of a lot of these guys, it's it's their it's it's um their one chance to make a mark. You know, they just get lucky in the sense that they have a very brief career, but they're in the right place at the right time, and then they take advantage of it. You know, I talked to John Stuper, who was for many years the coach at Yale, and he he pitched an elimination game uh, against a Hall of Famer, Don Sutton, um, for the '82 Cardinals in his rookie year. And he went the distance, you know, and it was it was rain, you know, two multiple rain delays. I think two out two and a half hours of rain delays. And he pitched the whole game because he said he just wanted Whitey Herzog to have every bullpen arm available for game seven. Um, and his career didn't last very long. And people think, you know, maybe he shouldn't have gone out there after the rain delay when he's a rookie and pitched a complete game in a 13 to one game. But he, he says, I don't regret it at all. I, I was doing it for the team. I got a ring. I would do it all over again. And that sort of thing is 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 pretty cool because those guys, um, you know, they 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 are remembered. They didn't make the money, um, and they didn't put up the career numbers that, that a lot of the guys did. But they did something that Don Sutton, for example, never did. Don Sutton was one of the all-time greats. Never won a World Series, and John Stuper beat him, and it was a, in, in an elimination game.
1: Pretty cool. It, yeah, it's amazing because you know I, I wonder. Obviously, you do a lot of research when you're pinpointing stories you want to learn more about. But one of the great things I imagine putting together books like this is how much you learn that you didn't even know and how many stories are you're kind of finding out as you go from behind the scenes. Are are there one or two that come to mind from the book? Were, Were there things that you really didn't have any idea had either transpired or as deep of a story where you kind of found yourself kind of locked into learning about something even more than your research had told you before you came to a conversation?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I mean, some some of it was just the historical stuff, right? Like, I mean, we know the basics, like I knew everybody knows the black Sox through the world series It it, is some form or another, whether it was one game or some combination of players, there was obviously something, something shady going on. And, and, and they were, they were throwing at least one game and probably more games. Um, But what I didn't really realize was that the team they were playing was better. And the 1919 reds, um, don't get much uh, attention or notoriety. They didn't have any like a shoeless Joe Jackson type superstars. They had Ed Roush, uh, who's in the hall of fame, but um, you know, basically they were this team that uh, Christy Matthewson had put together. Um, you know, he had been there. He had finished his career with one game with the Reds and then kind of, you know, piece together this this really great team that was better than any of the big red machine teams if you go by winning percentage like the 1919 reds were primed to win that world series the white Sox hated each other anyway and they they had lost uh, a hall of fame pitcher red Faber, um who wasn't available in that world series so you know the, the reds of 1919 were like a much much better team than i realized because i just sort of thought they were the team that the white socks you know through the world series too um, but there was a lot more to it th- than that and and so yeah you know, stuff like that um from the 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 deep historical annals were uh were, were really fun and and then you know obviously the more recent stuff like you know that we've all seen on on, on TV it's it's still uh it's still really powerful to be able to talk to Lance Berkman about what it's like um you know to to be at, at up at the plate with a you know, two outs and two strikes in the World Series, and what's going through his mind, and how he prepared for that. Because once Albert Pujols hit three home runs, he knew they were never going to pitch to Albert the rest of the series. And Matt Holliday <laughs> had gotten hurt, so you know, Berkman just saw this thing way in advance. Like I'm going to get a chance here because they're not going to pitch to that guy. And now Holiday's out. so you know, and Tony switched the lineup around. So he he envisioned this at bat, um, three four games before that before it even happened, and he was able to come through. Um, with the hit off Scott Feldman. So, um, you know, Tony Womack with a big hit in one against Rivera talking to him um, about being up in that moment where you can win the World Series with one swing or lose it with one swing with a double play or something. So, um, yeah, just so many of those uh, really on every page.
1: Let me let me wrap here this way. And again, the book, uh, the grandest stage, and, and get over and, and pre-order it now, out October 11th. So I've got to put you on the spot here. If if you had a chapter in the book that was not written, that was going to be about the twenty two twenty two World Series, who's in it? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know,
2: you, you can go chalk and go Dodgers, Astros, and then we get the you know the the, the, the rematch. But is, there's not a lo- really not a lot of players left for, from that. I mean, there's still you know, there's still a handful of big names, Bregman and Altuve and Korea, or not Korea, um, you know, uh,
1: Oh, sure. I mean you've got Coriel, uh, oh oh yes, yeah. But you
2: know, but 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 not a ton. Um but still that would that would really resonate. I mean, that would be an you know, ugly having to, you know, revisit all that stuff. I'm sure Clayton Kershaw would love it. But um, you know, but it would uh it would be a storyline for sure. Um, but that's chalk, man. That's 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 not fun. I mean, let's let's uh you know. We could have a uh, another Subway series, man. In twenty-two years, um, I'm not a New Yorker, but I have worked uh, at the New York Times for twenty-three seasons now. So um, my first year there was was the Subway series, man. It'd be pretty cool to get another one, um, you know, with a new set of personalities and history, um, you know. So I, I I don't know, I don't know what, what it's going to be, but let's uh, let let's just have some fun with it and 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 say Subway series, uh, you know, 1956 was the last one, 2000. 2022 22 years is a long time if you think about it so let's uh let, let's do that again
1: i'll take that and the, and the Bahamed won't be singing who let the dogs out before derek jeter hits a home run before i sit down before game three speaking of world series stories against bobby four. jones game, game four. four game four against bobby jones first danger yeah yeah i literally had a hot dog in my hand and a beer i had not sat down yet in the seat i was like oh well, this is this is typical. Tyler, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm looking forward to reading the book. Everybody, get out there, get a, uh, get the grandest stage. Double Day Books, get at Tyler Kepner on Twitter for all the information. I had a pre order out October 11th. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Keith. you Really appreciate it.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.